Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Let's Talk CFL Podcast. Roundtable discussion recorded live on Sunday and Wednesday nights. Visit Let's Talk CFL on Facebook for showtime. Brought to you by the Let's Talk Sports Groups on Facebook. Our partners, LostWolfOnSport.com. Stream live on BlogTalkRadio.com. Hey, good evening, sports fans, and welcome to Let's Talk CFL podcast, episode number 392. I'm your host, Christopher Jones. We're going to talk some football and a bunch of other things, and maybe even some politics. Who knows what the hell? Hey, uh, right off the cuff here, what are we talking about? This was the Labor Day weekend. We had the Labor Day Classic in Toronto. We had the Labor Day Classic in Alberta. And we didn't have a Labor Day Classic in Saskatchewan because it wasn't on Labor Day. So I wish these Ryder fans would stop calling it that because it's not. It's never played on Labor Day. Why call it a Labor Day Classic? It's not. And first off, why is it called Labor Day? It's supposed to be the celebration of workers. I think we should get a petition to call it something else because, like, it's a long weekend. It's called Labor Day. My wife says I got to work. It's laborious. I've worked all weekend. My back's sore. My body hurts, and I'm tired. I need to go to work for a rest. Uh, Labor Day, what a stupid name for a holiday. Why would you call it that? It's just like, oh, my God, you're going to have to work. It's supposed to be called Rest Day. How about the, 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 yeah. The rest day holiday, rest day long weekend, first weekend in September, rest, bring me a beer, do something. But no, why do I have to work my ass off? Okay, anyhow, that's a silly little rat. Okay, first off, um, just because somebody posts a picture of them with some political wannabe doesn't mean you get to go off on political rants about them. Whether he's good, bad, or ugly, it's not. So I had to delete the post because, you know, people don't know how to behave. They don't, okay? So, yeah, Todd Mogi's all happy that he got his picture with Andrew Shear. Big fucking deal. The guy's a goof, okay? I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be taking my – if I was Andrew Shear, there's no way I would get my picture taken with Todd Mogi. Oh, that came out wrong. Okay, uh, anyhow um, – <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, no, okay, so political posts are not on my page anymore, and, and then, you know, and then they posted this picture of Pierre Elliott Trudeau at a Grey Cup game. Why now? Why now? You post this picture on Labor Day. It's got nothing to do with the Grey Cup. It's got nothing to do with anything else, only because Todd posted a picture of Andrew Shear. Okay, like, come on, give your head a shake. And then you put up, this is not a political post. This is just showing that the guy's in style. Now the guy wasn't in style. He was a goof, okay? His wife got banged by the leader of the Cuban, of Cuba while he was prime minister. I mean, forget it. It's not, you're a loser. No, we're not going to get into the politics of it and say that he was the worst prime minister in Canada right up until Harbor. But that's beside the point. We're just not going to talk politics about this anymore. So no more posting of political figures. I don't care if he's making ice cream cones or whatever he's doing. 
No more posting of pictures. I don't care what it is. And then people who think that they have the ability to call me out or call out the other admins on the group, and they can't even have the decency to call us admins. They call us mods, which I don't know what a mod is. I think it's supposed to be short for moderator. But if you know anything about Facebook groups, there is an admin, and that is the highest powered ranking person, and then there's moderators later down. And I don't make anybody a moderator, okay, because I want everybody to have the ability to kick your ass out when you do something stupid, okay? So everybody in there is an admin. Okay, so you're calling us out saying that you wish that there was no – with the election coming up that you don't want to have any political posts on the football group. This is a political post. Why would you up? Why? I don't understand people. They, I just don't understand people. Okay, I took everything down that shouldn't have been up, and you know, Todd should know better. But I understand that he's kind of happy that he got his picture taken with this guy. But you know, he put it on his Facebook page, and great, and Kelly Bale, and all your buddies, they all responded to it, and that's awesome. But let's not put it in the group because then you get idiots responding to it okay and they're they're not nice they don't know how to behave because that's the that's their their internet warriors and then we had some other guy that literally did you hear that to see that today literally threatened to kill one of the members because i i just i don't understand it why would you do something like this so needless to say i had to kick his ass out too and uh i don't know it's just it's just weird it's just absolutely weird how can you do something like that? But anyhow, um, so let's talk some football because that's kind of what we want to do. We want to talk some football and uh, see what just happened. Yeah, I posted it over to the group so you guys can take a look at what this idiot said. Anyhow, um, it was a Labor Day weekend. We only had three games. There was a, uh, three teams on a bye. Uh, BC Lions were one of them. Montreal Alouettes were another. And so were the Ottawa Redlocks. And uh, so, you know, it was an okay bye week because, oh, what the hell. Okay, never mind. Let's open up the mics and bring in the guys and talk some football here. i got to open all the mics at one time here. And uh, welcome to the show, Charles. How you doing, buddy? Good evening. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing okay. So how did you spend your Labor Day weekend? Did you have to do shit around the house because the wife wanted you to, or did you actually have time to watch football, or what the hell happened? Well, the wife had to work today. I had the day off. Oh, so, awesome. Uh, I got away. I mean, there was still some things I had to do around the house, but I kind of worked them around the uh, the football games today. So I actually saw a good portion of most of the game, of both games, so... Uh, it was a good what day. What the hell happened to Toronto, eh? Like shit. I could I could actually got a point for that one. You could have. Close. It, it looked for a while like you were about to, and then I know. What Toronto happened? Toronto became Toronto, and that was the end of that. Yeah, um, yeah. True story. So anyhow, so you got to watch a couple of games of football today. That's pretty yep. exciting. Yeah, it was, it was good. I have to check my phone every once in a while to see if if there's a score. Anyhow. So, um, awesome. Who's next on the list here? Oh, it says Will. Mr. McDonald. Yes, sir. You know, even in, from your five-minute blurb, I learned a lot of things, okay? Well, I'll tell you what I learned. Okay, number one, 
the reason you have to work so hard is because you've put that title in front of your name and the title is retired. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's I know. why you have to work so hard. Okay. You should have uh, so, kept the wine store and you'd be a happy guy ever since. Yeah. Now, you, you know what? There, there's some merit to that. And I live I in don't, merit. I don't, okay. I don't get I don't get involved in politics very much. So you're telling me that was Andrew Shear with Todd Mogi? Yes. And I believe it was. the scariest thing the scariest thing for me is he's is a rider fan. Looked, Todd Mogi looked more intelligent, okay? <laughs> oh my lord. What are we going to do? I quit. I'm moving to Cuba. Fuck it. I I can honestly say that 57 years old I have never voted because there's just absolutely no point. So, and and end of discussion on this one. Let's move on. Yeah, okay. he's, he was with uh, Andrew Shear, the the leader of the Conservative Party, and uh, he was off kissing babies and buying beer and shit like that. So, yeah, yeah. what a loser. And we haven't okay. heard from him since. I hope he's not dead. Who Todd? Mm-hmm. He he was spooning Jared. So I don't exactly know what the hell happened there, okay? So are you telling me he was the ham between Jared and Chase? Is that what you're telling me? Well, there's a picture oh of them. God. If you look at them on 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 his face on his Facebook page, that him and him and Jared are sharing a bed. Yeah. Oh my lord. It was Steve Martin and John Candy right out of planes, trains, and automobiles. Those are and, and if. And if you looked at the picture of them driving there, one of them wasn't yeah. wearing a shirt while he was driving. That, that, like, what the Chase. fuck is that all about? Oh, that's my Chase. God. Jared's brother. Uh-huh. Aren't they from Manitoba? Yes, they are. <sighs> I feel like we should be listening to banjo music at this point. I was going to say, so next if you weekend. live... If you live in Manitoba for 25 years, you know you get free banjo lessons, eh? Do you really? Yeah. Ask Mark. Mark, can you play the banjo? My God. Every so often I pick it up. (laughs) I I wanted one. I wanted a banjo. I thought the banjos are cool. But I could never grasp that five-string thing. There's four-string banjos, but they're not as much fun. You know, you know who's surprisingly a phenomenal banjo player is Steve Martin. Yes, he is. Yep. Yeah, Steve Martin, and uh, who's who's that guy that was on Hee Haw? Uh, Roy Clark. They they did Hee-haw. a dueling banjo. Hee Haw, yeah. What did I say? No, no, I was just pointing, you got the guy's name right. I just pointed out uh, where he was from. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, just, uh, he's a, they're both. They did a dueling banjos between those two, and it's awesome. You look it up on YouTube sometimes. Riders suck. Way to go, Todd. Yeah, okay, so anyhow, that spooning thing wasn't, isn't on Todd Mogi's page. Maybe it's on Jared's. Maybe he's all proud of it. Because that's it's 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 wrong. Any way so, you look at it, it's wrong. So this conversation would not be complete unless I use this famous line from a movie. Are you ready? Sure. Go for Feel it. Feel like a pig. 
<laughs> oh, a little bit of deliverance. Okay, let's bring in somebody else here. Who else have we got on our show here? Somebody's off being quiet. Phil! You're leaving most of this alone, aren't you? Yeah, I sure am. I sure am. Today was my big administration day at home for the end of the month. Uh, but uh, last I heard on Mogi, he'd only made it as far home as Musaman. So, and then I haven't heard anything after that. What's Musaman? That's about the midway point. No, not even about a third of the way home to Winnipeg from Regina. How how far is it? Just before the Manitoba border. Yeah, so so it's uh, about a six-hour drive <coughs> yep. from uh, Winnipeg to Regina yep. to uh, Winnipeg. Winnipeg, yep. Oh, so it's not yeah. really that far. <coughs> a friend of mine used to say about two joints. Half a day. Two joints. Okay, I understand that. Work Works for me. Let's sacrifice Toby. Oh my God! What? Now, I'm just looking at Todd Mogi's Facebook page, and I shouldn't be. There's some really weird, corrupted shit there. Okay, so let's let's just go somewhere else, <laughs> please. Okay, uh, Mark, come on in. What are you doing? How's it going? What am I doing? I am sitting back enjoying this. And what? people wonder why I don't go to Labor Day with these guys. Well, the hell's reason why I wouldn't go either. Uh, yeah, no. I I, I want you to know that trips for a weekend. When I, when I went to Calgary to to watch the BC Lions play the Calgary Stampeders, and I went and stayed with uh, my good friend Will, we were extremely respectable. We didn't do anything stupid. We went to the game. We walked. We got back in the car and we went home. It was. It was. It was. It was just like normal people. We didn't because buy we're any old, beers. Christopher. We, <laughs> yeah, you guys are really old. It, it was a wonderful time. I remember it for a long time, except for the phone call that said my guns got stolen. <laughs> That wasn't a good phone call. Okay. So, CFL Player of the Month, quarterback Trevor Harris. That's kind of funny, isn't it? Is that serious? Is that serious? The serious phone? I thought it was was Willie Boy. Jefferson guy. Willie Jefferson. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. Where are you from? I haven't seen that. Offensive and defensive. Willie was defensive and and Trevor was the offensive. Offensive. Well, you realize Trevor is uh, on his way to a 6,000-yard season, eh? (laughs) It's all between the 20-yard lines, but he's on his way. I mean, I I think they set a record for most games without a touchdown. I think so too. It's been three, right? Oh shit! I thought it was the whole season. 
They've actually three. got some touchdowns this year. It's ridiculous. How can you do that? Okay. Should we talk some football? Yeah. Okay. So we had a game. This was a long weekend, Labor Day long weekend, and Friday night football got canceled. Thankfully, there is no Thursday night football anymore for the rest of the year. And Saturday afternoon football got canceled. So I don't know why we're talking football because all the best times to play football are, are, are gone. So they, they threw one Sunday afternoon. If that's not ridiculous, I don't know what is. And then two games on Monday. Oh, good Lord. Okay, so the first game was this um, Flatlander fight um, between Winnipeg and Saskatchewan, and Winnipeg went over to Regina and uh, and played football, and it was a bit of a snooze fest, eh? It just didn't – this was not a hard-fought fight. It just defensive battle, you want to call it? No, maybe lack of offense battle, maybe. Uh, I don't know what you want to call this one because – I don't know. There was a picture on, on Let's Talk CFL about this guy whose baby was just born, right? Okay, did you see this? Alec Burlington, Burlington, sorry, don't mean to screw up your name, but I'm going to. And it says, not even 12 years old, and he's watching a great Labor Day game. Go Argos. Okay? And, like, I'm looking at it, and the baby's sound asleep, right? It says, looks like he fell asleep like the rest of us. Uh, oops. Did I say that loud? Did Milt Stiegel really wear that red jacket? Yep. On purpose? Apparently. Was it like a dare? Well, no. There was, a, there was a reason he wore it. Okay. Speak. It's not Canada. The reason... No, the reason was... Uh, the owls are on a bye, so the vag was closed this week. Oh, God. <laughs> and that's our show, folks. Thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> We're not going to talk that. Let's talk podcast episode number 392. Have a great evening, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday. Good night. Okay. Enough of this bullshit. Uh, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, Charles, what do you got to say about this game? Oh, great. I got to be the one to follow that. Okay. Um, <laughs> to be honest, I didn't think this was a terrible game. I honestly thought that the defenses played actually quite well in this game. Um, uh, it was uh, not high scoring. I didn't think it was going to be high scoring, if I recall. Um, Cody Fajardo did pass for 300 yards. But, um, again, a lot of that was between the uh, the 20s. I think the, his passing yardage was also equal the same number of times that TFN showed his dad on TV um, because he was, popping up, he was popping up like every 20 seconds. Um, but, um, you know, uh, Strevler, again, he was better than he was the week before, um, but he wasn't great. Um I think the shine is starting to come off him as he is more and more looking like uh, a backup and not uh, the second coming like a lot of the Winnipeg fans had made him out to be. Again, or at he least wasn't want terrible. Him to be. Yeah, he wasn't terrible, but he wasn't spectacular. Again, he did a lot of his um, 
a lot of his uh, playing with his running at 65 yards running. I don't think you want your quarterback to have a lot of rushing yards. I really don't. Uh, I had said before last week that I thought he um, reminded me of Tim Tebow, and he did it again this week because uh, only 161 yards passing, although his passing percentage wasn't bad, 16 to 24, two picks. Johnny Augustine came in and actually did a pretty uh, decent job of filling in for Andrew Harris. He had 98 yards rushing. Um, the Riders did not only have one scoring play in the entire second half. Uh, they put up 16 points in the first half and only three in the second half. But they were the most important three of the game because that put them over the top for a... 1917 victory and interesting thing here the Bombers pride themselves as the number one uh, defense uh, or at least they want to say that they have the number one defense in the CFL but when it came right down to it and they needed that big time defensive stop late in the fourth quarter they weren't able to come up with it and they were able to see Saskatchewan go down the field and generate the uh, game winning uh, field goal so that's a bit of an eye opener I mean, to be fair, they were on the field a lot in this game because the Bombers' offense was not moving the ball all that well. Um, I'm just trying to look up to see if they're trying to find time of possession here. Oh, strangely enough, the Bombers actually had more um, time of possession than Saskatchewan did, so that makes that defensive breakdown even worse. But, um, yeah, this one... It wasn't a spectacular game, although I do think that both defenses played well. But uh, the Riders' defense on this day, anyways, was just a little bit better than the Bombers' defense. Uh, The Bombers' defense only needed the one stop to prevent the Riders from getting the win, but they weren't able to come up with it. And uh, it's a walk-off for Brett Lauer to go in and have the walk-off and win the game. So uh, an interesting one, uh, a close game, a hard-fought game, but... Uh, the number two team beats the number one team and uh, sets up an even more important game next weekend in the Banjo Bowl. Aren't, aren't walk-off field goal, winning field goals exciting? I mean, like, seriously. How I, many have we experienced? I think so, yeah. There, it's an exciting time. I remember the 2009 Grey Cup. It was unbelievable, okay? Oh, don't, oh you're not going to go there, are you? <laughs> okay, My finger's so, on the button. <laughs> I don't know. I remember. I think was it a two thousand the eighty five Great Cup or something? Was it when uh, Louis Pasagli came out and took one away from the Stallions? Yep. Yeah, I remember for. that one too. Okay. Thanks, Charles. That was a good uh, good analogy there, William. What was your thoughts on this yes. meaningless game to you? Well. You know what? <laughs> my thoughts my thoughts on this game were, and I have not given Winnipeg credit at all this year, and Mark knows this, but you know what? Winnipeg's a good football team. There's no doubt about it. They don't have their starting quarterback. They don't have their starting running back. And they played well, the that? team that has – hold on. And they played the team that has, according to some people on this panel, the greatest – premier quarterback in the CFL currently and they only lost to them by two points and next man, 
man, I don't know if it'll be different next week. Um, I'm just wondering what Winnipeg's defense could do if they had a decent defensive coordinator. That'd be scary. Okay. That'd be scary. Um, you know what? It was a pretty interesting game. I expected Saskatchewan to win. Um, and they should have win one. Um, and I did hear some whining from Winded. Winded. some some whining from some Winnipeg fans that they don't have this guy and they don't have that guy. You should come to Calgary for a week. We've been like this all season, okay? So um, that's not an excuse. Next man up. Um, but you know what? I'm pretty sure Winnipeg's going to be there right to the end. And I I think they're a good football team. Saskatchewan's a good football team too. Um, and once again, we've said this numerous times, and it showed today. Man, the West is tight. You cannot lose a game. It's that tight unless you're BC. Okay. We lose them all. So, well, I didn't say that, but if the shoe fits, dance in it, buddy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a good game to watch. I enjoyed it. It didn't have the same. I mean, it seems that the Banjo Bowl is the bigger game of the two of them, to be honest with you. And, uh, I did see lots of stuff on Facebook, all the freaky Manitoba fans hanging out by the Saskatchewan (laughs) sign on the highway. Okay. Like, come on, get a life. Vandalism. Get Get a life. Really? Come on. Anyways. They were but hanging yeah, out all right. I've I've always uh, wanted to go. I've been to Labor Day games in Saskatchewan in my 20s. I don't remember them, but uh um I didn't I've never I've never slept with another guy. I know that for a fact, okay? So I guess I always had money to afford my own hotel room. Um but uh and I'd probably sleep in my car if I had a cho- if I didn't have a choice. Okay. Anyways, going on down the road. Next. What are you referring to there? Are you, you know insinuating what I'm anything? To? I'm not oh, okay. insinuating a thing. I mean, hey man, if 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 you're if you're a football fan and you got to see the game that much, then you'll do what it takes. Okay, but. Come on, you can buy it. You can buy a tent at Walmart for fourteen bucks, for God's sake. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, interesting uh, little tidbits on Winnipeg there. Will, uh, did you know that they're five and zero at home, and only five hundred on the road? They can't win yeah, on the road. What, most teams are like that. No, no, no. BC's always four at home. <laughs> well, we don't. Can, BC is in a league of their own this year, okay? Let's face it. Yeah. And and on any given day, it could be a good high school team, but whatever. Actually, there's better high school coaches out there than what BC has for coaches. Just my opinion. So, anyways, no, we're not talking they about They came BC, from you. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, it's, uh, like I said, I mean... Winnipeg, I mean, Winnipeg's always been strong at home. And I and I think if I just let you know now, Mark, if 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 it stays tight all the way to the end, I might be coming to Winnipeg to see that October game against the Stampeders. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, you may, you may not. You'll see what happens, but uh right now the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are two uh two losses away from the crossover. 
Let that one sink in for a minute. Which is yeah, weird. But that's probably that's probably everybody in the West. Yeah. No, Winnipeg's two games. Saskatchewan's one game and Calgary and Edmonton are at the crossover right now. <laughs> yeah, there's only two two Technically technically Edmonton technically Edmonton is the crossover because Calgary moved ahead of them today. Because they have a yeah, game in hand. Yeah, only because they they got a game in hand. That's it. So they got they 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 have the ability to lose one game right now. Yeah. Um, so let's who do they play? Oh, they play Edmonton. Right. Okay. Duh. On Saturday night. Saturday night. Yeah. Okay. And I think I'm uh, going to Edmonton to watch that game. Are you really? Nice. Why? Why not? Okay. It's a Saturday night. It's at five o'clock. I can be back in Calgary by eleven, twelve Midnight. the next that night. So yeah. Midnight, yeah. Say hi to Rhonda for us. Yeah, say hi to Rhonda. Give her a hug. Did did Will just hang up on us? I think he did. I can't no, say I didn't. blame him. Oh, no, okay. I didn't. But Rhonda's happy because Johnny Augustine got a big run against uh, Saskatchewan, okay, and that was her hero. But yeah. but well, can I throw something? I got. I need to throw something in there. Oh, Bonnie doing thing that didn't get it. Didn't get any sacks today. Nope. No. Okay. Uh, who's who's next on my list here? This is Mark. Mark, what do you got to say about this game? Did you watch it? I listened to it on the radio because I was out camping. Um, and you went camping on the Labor Day long weekend when there's football happening? I only missed the Bomber game. I listened to it on the radio. Oh, my good Lord. That's your yep. team. Yes, it is. Anyway, really what it came down to for me was play calling by the offense at the beginning of the game. Where, what did they do? Four straight passes, three straight passes. It's a, guys, he's not good at throwing. Yeah. When they went, when they went to him more in the second half, that's when we made up the time of possession. Saskatchewan had the ball all first half. Winnipeg had the ball the majority of the second half. When they went to Strevler doing the read option and running all the time like he does, they were chewing up yards, they were chewing up clock. Unfortunately, in the first quarter, they didn't do that, and Saskatchewan got out to the 10-point lead, which turned out to be just enough to, yeah, just enough to help them at the end of the game because they did nothing in the second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. Saskatchewan, well, except for one drive in the fourth quarter at the very end. And like Will said, that defense, how good would they be with a real defensive coordinator who doesn't go to prevent all the time? It's the CFL. They had three minutes. That's, what, three possessions worth sometimes? So, And that police drives me nuts. I've said it before. I'll keep saying it. I'm not a huge fan of how he tries to change things up by going away from stuff. I was impressed with Will's favorite running back in Augustine. 
I thought he had a really good game. He was actually picking up some decent blocks, too. And Jefferson was Jefferson. That guy just, he's fine. And he's just ramping up. For the Bombers to have a chance to win, only lose on a last-minute field goal, minus their number one quarterback, minus their number one running back, without a great defensive coordinator, with possibly the worst of the backup quarterbacks right now, except for maybe in Toronto. In that environment, I'm okay with it. Because now Fayardo has to come over to Winnipeg and deal with that. It's Labor Day weekend. We haven't, it's now 14 of the last 15 we've lost. It's not unusual for Winnipeg to lose on Labor Day. It didn't bother me in the slightest. I enjoyed the game. You know, there wasn't a ton of points scored. But there was over 700 yards in offense. There was great defense. I haven't watched it because I did PVR it. So once I do sit down and watch it, it was a fun game to listen to. It's a Labor Day weekend game in Saskatchewan. You never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, history says the Riders are going to win. That's what we know happens. So, yeah, you know, there's been they put a they were talking about it. There's been zero and eight Saskatchewan teams come to Labor Day and Winnipeg is eight and zero, yep. and they win by forty. Saskatchewan does. It's just what happens in in, in that environment. All of these typical traditional um, Labor Day matchups, it never seems to matter what the records of the teams are. And it doesn't matter for the fan bases either. No, it doesn't. When you have as many losing seasons as Winnipeg and Saskatchewan have, there are times when I don't care what you do, just beat the Riders. Comes in. So, it's fun. That's it. Go ahead, speaking Phil. Of, speaking of beating up the riders. Phil, how you doing there? Hey, I'm good. What's hey, your I'm, favorite walk off field goal win? <laughs> yeah, you're right. We probably uh the one we seen yesterday and then there's that eighty nine Grey Cup thing. I forget just how that went, but Technically that wasn't a walk off because there was still about forty five seconds left after that one, so technically oh, that's, that's not a walk off. That's right. That's right, Charles. But the 2009 uh, was a walk-off field goal. Yeah, GFY, Christopher. GFY, <laughs> GFY. Go fuck yourself. Okay, there you go. <laughs> I got it. He Googled it. <laughs> I went. Uh, I went. Charles and Mark. Considering the score, it, it was, this was this was a real exciting game. Uh, it, it's not like defense is completely dominated. Like both teams hit for first downs in the in the, somewhere in the low twenties, twenty one and twenty three first downs. Uh, Mark makes a good point that the Bombers did not use Strevlers the way anybody would have thought of in in the first half with the read option, like they had been doing it. In fact, Strevler only had one carry in the first half, and you know that that was probably game planning because the Riders were probably game planning all week uh, to be looking for that and. So, you know, and Strebler did make a couple completions in the first half that we wouldn't have expected that he would be capable of. So uh, um, it was probably good game planning on the Bombers' 
Yeah. Uh, but I, I want to talk about the final winning drive. And I, I'm going to warn you, Christopher, I might go over my, my, uh, my two-player limit a, a, a little bit this week on the Riders. Sorry. Go ahead. But that final drive in the fourth quarter, it, it appeared that, you know, both, for both – both final drives, the, the final drive for the, the Bombers as well as the that, or that uh, put them in front, and then the final drive for the Riders that, that won the game, um, both defenses appeared tired. And uh, the offenses uh, uh, appeared to be controlled, confident, and moved the ball well. But i, I got to admit, with 105 yards of field in front of them, I, I sure didn't expect uh, Cody Fajardo and the, and the Riders' offense to be able to move that ball. Kudos to Coach McAdoo for, man, he's a god as far as I'm concerned, with the play calling to move the ball from the five-yard line. In the shadow <laughs> did you of just say that about Steve god. McAdoo? I did, did, yes, did, did You did. honestly did, he, eh? Wow. He is a football coaching god. And uh, <laughs> Oh, my Riders, good Lord. Riders fans have, have a lot of reason to be pleased after what we've seen here this weekend. Confident offense, solid defense, and Brett Lotter, the way he 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 uh, addresses the ball. I, I don't know. I've seen a. I'm not. I hate kickers, and but I don't know if I've seen a kicker that addresses the ball so cleanly. Like he never he never pulls or or pushes the ball. It's a always a direct hit on that ball, and he he, uh, he must set that that have it teed up a little bit differently for him. He's a little bit different kicker than. Than, than most CFL kickers I've ever seen. Um, but I'm gonna. I want to talk about the the Riders' offensive line. You know, uh, we had a lot of a lot of veteran presence to begin the league or begin the season. You know, we had uh, Brandon Labatt at left guard, and we had uh, like an Andrew Green-style talent of Philip Blake, uh, we lost, who we both lost at guard. And our center was was banged up in a vehicle rollover where he was he was thrown from the vehicle, and then we got these two kids. That's because he was driving too fast and a little bit too much alcohol involved. Oh no, he's come from a school event, from a, a, a junior high school event. Exactly and, uh, my point. <laughs> but we got we got Omega Red from Deadpool two stepped in at right guard. We got Darius Bladek, a second year man at, at left guard. And yeah, you're, you're, the, I'm at the two. Yeah, yeah. You're way over your limit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and the way they made room for for that running back on that final drive to pick up almost 40 yards rushing, uh, uh, really, it really impressive. Uh, this offensive line has has probably in my opinion, put themselves at the forefront of, of offensive lines in the CFL right now. And we all know that offensive lines win championships. So William, William Powell, like I said, that's four yards rushing on that last drive. He's proven to be the key off-season free agent acquisition in, in the entire league. You know, of course, there's Cody Fajardo, but that was just fortunate because he was brought in to be a, a, a backup. Uh, uh, great to see Micah Johnson back for the Riders as well. Uh, 
Charleston Hughes had, I don't think he had a sack when Michael was out, and he got two sacks here yesterday. Um, now, I, I got I got to get some kick, kick. some praise. The we we, we got to move on. This is well, There's more games, you know. Yeah, but this was a big one. This was a big one. And, no, and, it wasn't. And, it was no bigger than the ba- Battle of Alberta so between Saskatchewan and, Ed- and Edmonton or Toronto and Hamilton. Chris, I just want to repeat what I said about Willie Jefferson last Wednesday. <laughs> he is the league MOP year-to-date. He was, in a, particularly in the first half, he was a one-man um, wrecking. You can thank Calgary for that. I don't understand. You don't understand? No. Why? Where where did he come from? Saskatchewan and then Edmonton before that. Saskatchewan. Wasn't he? uh, Sorry, did I blow that one apart? I thought he was on the on the Stampeders. No, no, I was confused at that too. Yeah. Okay. It was Micah Johnson I'm thinking about. Saskatchewan. Yeah, that's right. It was Micah Johnson. I got him confused. My my bad. Go as ahead. For, as for Mr. Straveler, also known as Tim Tebow, uh, he he uh, he threw for what I think probably a career high 162 yards. Uh, however, um, I, that might be the best game we're going to see out of him this season. It, this is just my opinion, and I'm sorry, Mark, but and. Like, he had one accurate pass uh, more than 10 yards, and that was the touchdown pass to Lawler. And uh, I, I think it's going to be another great game next weekend. But uh, And I honestly think the Bombers are probably going to pick the Bombers next weekend, but uh, uh, Mr. Is, is I don't think he's going to be the one to uh, to deliver them to the promised land in 2019. Uh, Winnipeg came in as the least penalized team in the league but lost some composure this week. And... Uh, and other, if, if they hadn't, I, they they might have pulled off one of the a really rare win in Saskatchewan because there was there were some times in the game when 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 the Winnipeg coaching staff was actually out ahead of the the Riders. That's that's all I got. Uh, it was just a fantastic game of fantastic weather and and even even the Bomber fans that made the trip to Regina, I think they really enjoyed themselves. Yeah. Are you done? Just checking. I'm done. Yeah, yeah. I'm I, done. I don't want I'm I don't done. want to interrupt you for the twelfth time. That would it, be rude. It was Labor Day. You got to let me stretch one one out. Okay, uh, this was the Winnipeg Saskatchewan game in Regina, the home and home series that's famous. Uh, the final score was Winnipeg seventeen, Saskatchewan nineteen. Oh my God, really? Uh, Charles, you absolutely nailed Winnipeg's score, but you went a little high on uh, on the Riders there. Saskatchewan, yeah. Uh, Will, you picked the Bombers to win. You lost. Mark, you picked the Bombers to win, but that, no surprise there. You lost. Um, Phil, you uh, uh, just never mind. Okay, you got the star. Let's move on. CJ was only out by 30 points. I mean, hey, what can I say? I actually thought it would be a, 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 a bit of a shootout there. Picked uh, 38-28 for uh, Saskatchewan, but uh, the, both both offenses went to sleep. 
So I don't know what the hell happened. Uh, next game up was the Toronto, the Battle of the 401 Labor Day Classic in Hamilton. Uh, the Argos came down and played the Ticats. Awesome game. Big score. It looked like I was going to win a get a point there for a while. Toronto was leading and, and actually on their own. And uh, uh, what the hell happened? I don't know. What happened was Will started to talk. Every time Will starts talking about something, somebody winning, the, the exact opposite always happens. So in the future, Will, don't talk about my BC lines anymore, okay? Just don't do it, okay? Anyhow, so uh, Hamilton won this one. Uh, Charles, go ahead. Well, this game looked like it was going to go one way for the majority of the game, uh, but it ended up going uh, the way most of Toronto's games have gone this year. This uh, year, down the toilet. Even if they, yeah, pretty much. Um, one thing that was very evident from these te- from this game is that these two teams do not like each other. Because uh, no. there was a big scrap, a big squir- skirmish. Uh, I really wanted to point out because how James Wilder Jr. did not get ejected from this game still boggles me the mind because he basically, um, well, he, he assaulted an official. Whether he did it on purpose or not, I don't know, but he, he basically was being restrained by an official. I don't know if he knew who was restraining him. And he pushed off of him and knocked the official right to the ground. But he did not get a, he did not get ejected from this game, and I thought he should have. Did he get a penalty for it? I don't even think he got. He might have gotten penalized. I can't remember. Well, I know a Hamilton player got ejected, uh, but he got off. He was still in the game. So, um, anyways, as for the game uh, for three quarters. The Argos were playing great football on both sides of the ball, but Cloud Bethel Thompson was really playing well, and the defense, um, I believe they forced four turnovers from Hamilton in the first half, and things were going along just uh, swimmingly for the Toronto Argonauts, and then they played the fourth quarter, and as it has been for the Toronto Argonauts for much of this year, that's where the problem came in, and that's where this game got away from them. They had a six-point lead going into the fourth quarter and then proceeded to get outscored 17 to nothing in the fourth quarter. Just a complete collapse. The offense stopped moving the ball. The defense stopped, um, stopped um, stopping the ball. Hamilton was able to uh, move the ball. Dame, Dane Evans, who was really having a – what I thought uh, a fairly mediocre game through the first uh, two and a half quarters ends up with 442 yards passing uh, and able to lead his team from behind and get a victory, um, putting up some big numbers in the fourth quarter. Speaking of big numbers, Braylon Addison, 167 yards and two touchdowns. A huge game there, outdone only by... Darrell Walker on the other side of the field who had 203 yards receiving and two touchdowns in a losing cause. I mentioned James Wilder uh, a few minutes ago. He was back in the lineup starting um, for the uh, Argos. I'm guessing they're probably regretting that because he had 16 yards rushing. He had 37 yards passing, fine, 
But uh, to be honest, um, I don't know why he's there. He's not providing anything right now. Um, as for the um, the Tiger Cats, uh, again, 442 yards, spectacular game, or it turned out to be a spectacular game. And even looking, the big number here for me, for Dane Evans, 83% completion rate. It was huge. It compare, was huge. It's huge compared to 52 for uh, the law Thompson. there. And I know that uh, Bethel Thompson actually didn't have bad numbers. He threw for 337 and two touchdowns and no interceptions. But I have seen online after that game is over, people saying, when are we going back to Franklin? Franklin should be playing. we got to dump this guy. I mean, Franklin was not putting up numbers anywhere close to that when he was playing. So be careful what you wish for. The defense, the, the the Toronto defense was fantastic in the first half and then kind of rolled over and played dead in the second half. So, um, yeah, this was a game that the the Argos should have had. This was one that they should have been able to close out. But like their Western um, counterparts here in BC, they can't finish out a game. They can't stop anybody when it comes to crunch time. And that was the difference here. And Hamilton, for all their struggles and being without their starting quarterback, still with the best record in the CFL at 9-2. and two. And that's it yeah. for me. 590 yards of offense. Unbelievable. Yep. Dane Evans is going after Dunnigan's record. Uh, well, not quite. Yeah, maybe. Uh, uh, said Hamilton set a, an attendance record too. By the way, I saw that. Yeah, their biggest in their teeny ever. stadium. It's not. I was going to say it's not hard to do in a stadium that small. It's only twenty-five thousand seats. Yeah, it's not hard. Shouldn't be anyhow. Okay, uh, William. Well. I think uh, the Hamilton fans had fun today. I have a sales rep that I deal with out of Hamilton, and he sent me a picture this morning at 8.30 Calgary time, and they were tailgating already in the parking lot, okay? And he looked like he had his limit already. So that's, what, 10.30 there, 11 o'clock there? Yep. Anyways. Um. You know what? Hamilton Hamilton is another good football team, and I'm with you, Charles. I have no clue. Well, first of all, I have no clue why James Wilder didn't get kicked out of that game because they kicked two Hamilton players out. Right. And the other thing is, for the last two weeks, we've heard that Toronto is shopping James Wilder. How the hell did he get into the lineup? I, I have no I don't. I don't understand it. If they, they were showcasing him, it backfired. Injuries. Well, yeah, and you know what? He's never, he's never lived up to anything after his first season. And so, to me, that says that Toronto is in a bigger mess than we thought they were in. And, uh, man, I'm telling you, they should have won that game. I only saw the first half because I had to go to my game. But uh, I thought Toronto was going to win that game. And then Neil Kroll, 
whenever I have to go to Stan Peter's game, Neil Krull always keeps me updated by the minute. So uh, he was sending me scores all the time I was driving to the game, and yeah, I'm shocked it ended that way. Um, did, but did you, I did guess, he send uh, you a picture of his new pajamas? Uh, no. Um, oh, I, I, Dean Evans is a real quarterback. Maybe he's better than Jeremiah Mazzoli. You never know. And I guess we'll get to find that out since Mazzoli is out for the rest of the year. So maybe this is the quarterback Hamilton's always been looking for. You never know. But uh, I haven't looked, but I know I know Hamilton has beat Calgary. I don't know what other West teams they've beaten so far, so I'd like to look at that before I say too much about them. Who, Toronto? And how good they are. No, okay. no, then... Than, than the West Western teams. I want to know how many teams Hamilton has played from the West. I well, think I don't they're, know. They're off four top and my one head. in in division. Are they okay? So that means in their own played, division, they're four and one. So, so that, that means would they mean played four against the West. Five. Yeah. Five, no, they've, they've won five against the West. Oh wow! Have they? They won five games against the West. Interesting. Cool. Two against BC. Yeah, oh, two against okay. BC, but that then everybody beats BC. I didn't say that, but if the shoe fits. Um, anyways, go ahead. Mark? This was a good old-fashioned CFL game. You had fighting at center field. You had players being thrown around. You had two guys kicked out. Um... They combined for 79 passes between the two teams, which is part of the reason why Alder's numbers are down. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying part of the reason that his numbers were down is he only ran the ball seven times because they were too busy throwing it back and forth. Really, if Hamilton doesn't commit all those turnovers in the first half, this game's over early. Once they cleaned it up in the second half, they just ran away. They just showed they were the better team. Like I've been saying all year, Hamilton's a scary football team. They've got a lot of breakout speed on that team with Banks and with some of the other guys. They've got some injuries right now, too. Tasker's out. They've got a lot of young kids in. Mazzoli. And they're they're just rolling along. I think we may have seen Missoli play his last game in Hamilton. Not recently, we have it. Uh, Evans is playing better all the time. He isn't winning every game. He's got them with the best record in the CFL. Yeah. You know, no, I'm not, not arguing, not complaining. Let's yeah. see how he does down the stretch, right? Mm-hmm. And, oh, uh, yeah. For, but he's in the East. Yeah. I mean, Mazzoli hasn't done jack shit in the playoffs for, for Hamilton in, what, the last four or five years, four years? No. Well, so, not since the no yards call. Yeah. Was that even Mazzoli? Yeah, that was Mazzoli. Yep. So not since the no yards call. Yep. It was a fun game to watch. I don't put Bethel Thompson on the bench yet. He's got to work on his percentages. 
But it also has to come from the coaching staff. Hamilton made changes at halftime. Toronto didn't. They came out with the same game plan. Mm -hmm. Hamilton made the changes and ran away with the game. This is, again, Corey Chamblin-led team. Corey Chamblin's a great defensive coordinator. He's not a good football coach. Really, it's what it came down to. It was changes in the second half. Hamilton just ran away from them. It was fun to watch, though, especially the brawl. And there was like three different brawls going on. And then they go, and I don't get why when they built the new stadium, why did they put both benches on the same side again? It's an Eastern Division thing. What's the point? I'm surprised there wasn't a major brawl on the sidelines. I don't know why you would do that. Why uh, Why you would restrict a team to, to such a little space? It doesn't make sense. You're inviting, you're inviting fights. Yeah. Especially in that was was such a chippy game. It's going to make next week's game that much more fun. Go ahead. I don't know. Phil, can you keep this in un, in under 10,000 words? Uh, this is an Eastern Eastern game, so that should be easy, Christopher. Okay. Um, I, I'm glad to hear you guys eventually buying into my love for Dane Evans. And, and uh, I, I want to remind everybody how much I was talking about what kind of a quarterback I thought he was going to be here about four weeks ago on this show, maybe three weeks ago. Uh, Toronto's offense was fun to watch as well. A 96-yard pass and run at Darrell Walker was pretty exciting, and, and Walker put up some big numbers today. Uh, you know, kudos to both both Dane Evans and and uh, Macbeth. Uh, both have proven, I think, it, in my opinion, to be bona fide CFL starters. They, they really have. Uh, Bethel Thompson's improved. Impressed me since the Argos acquired Zach Caleros. That just seemed to like turn him on. That from that week on, and and Dayton Evans has has impressed me ever since he took over from Mazzoli. Um, nice to see some flashes of uh, of Argo D in the first half. I don't know what happened in the second half, but uh, I, I think the Argos. I've, I've watched them the last few weeks, and I think they're starting to pull things together. And if you are, are an Argos fan, uh, I think there's there's reason for optimism right now. Uh, I, I just don't believe that they're in as much trouble as as that team in the Pacific Conference when we were talking about Hamilton playing against Western teams, the BC Lions. Uh, that's all I got. I'm confused. Oh, what happened here? Well, I just put uh, BC in, in in their own conference, the Pacific Conference, so that uh, we could differentiate when we were talking about uh, Eastern teams, how well they're doing against Western teams. That's and, and what we're talking about. I had a lamp in my office here. After my the lamp fell over and broke. 
I wasn't talking about BC Lions. I know. I try not to talk about the BC Lions. It's it's in nobody's interest for me to talk about the BC. Anyhow, okay. So this was the Toronto Hamilton game. This was the Labor Day Classic. Uh, Hamilton thirty-eight-seven. Oh my God, Charles, you were out by a mitful thirty-five points. Will yep. was twenty. Mark, you lost this one. CJ, you lost this one. You got Mark. Did you really pick Toronto? Was that just to piss me off? No, I picked Toronto. I didn't even listen to the podcast. So. Toronto because nobody else was picking Toronto and I figured I would have won this one for sure and then you just like barely went above my scores oh my god okay um yeah so and then Phil wins another one so I I need to just record myself so I don't have to keep saying that just push a button and then it goes okay hang on hang on I got I got it I got something we haven't done this in a very long time do you remember this uh where is it? Where this one is? But the story is floating around, and if it goes public, he'll have to finish his career in Saskatchewan. Have you ever been to Saskatchewan? No, I haven't. Fucking blows. Do you know that's from? Bill? I don't. Oh, that's from the, the Ballers TV series. Ballers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I haven't watched have it. Ever, have you ever been to Saskatchewan? No, it fucking sucks. Okay, Buck blows Spence. I think that's the exact words. Oh, okay, yeah. anyhow, um, where are we going here? Oh, next game: Edmonton and Calgary. Oh, this was an exciting game. Uh, this is fighting for the crossover spot. Actually, I, you know the way Calgary's playing right now, I would not bank them. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call them out. I. I said at the beginning of the season, Calgary is the the team to beat in the West, and I still believe that. I think they're going to come up and uh, just scare the shit out of everybody and spank a whole pile of teams coming down the straight stretch now. So um, this was Calgary and Edmonton in Calgary, as it normally is on Labor Day. And the Battle of Alberta is next weekend. Charles, talk football. Huh. Well... The high-powered offense of the Edmonton Eskimos didn't really show up all that well today. Um, they kind of got uh, stymied and shut down, really, in this one. Uh, Trevor Harris, um, who I don't know, who was saying that he was on his way to 6,000 yards? Not if he has more performances like he had today. Um, the Stampeders defense really came out really well in this one, and they just shut Edmonton down. Edmonton was getting nothing going on offense. They just, they put together a couple of plays, and then it would just get snuffed out. Uh, You never got the feeling that the Eskimos, or at least I didn't ever get the feeling that the Eskimos were really ever in this game, because their offense just was spinning their wheels and going nowhere. Um, they had no 216 yards, which is a pretty low total for Trevor Harris. And they had really no rushing game to speak of, leaving rusher with C.J. Gable with 35 yards. Uh, Bo Levi Mitchell is back 
for the Stampeders. It's going to actually, this is probably going to make one of my segments uh, redundant because it uh, discusses Bo Levi Mitchell coming back. Uh, I actually made up the agenda before this game happened. Uh, he came back and did not show a lot of rust. I mean, maybe a little little bit in the first few drives, but ends up with 263 yards and a touchdown. No interceptions, and you would think a guy coming off of six or seven weeks of no playing, there might be some rust, and he might be prone to throw interceptions, but he didn't. And then this Kadeem Carey running back for Calgary this week, 143 yards rushing. And the second straight week in a row, a big game for Reggie Bagleton. He had 138 yards and a touchdown. So he's quickly starting to um, emerge as one of the top receivers in the CFL. Uh, Last year he was, uh, well, he only played in nine games last year. Look at this, though. He he played in nine games in 20, or not, um, hold on, where am I? Sorry. In seven games last year he had 488 yards he has played three more games already this year but he's doubled his output from 488 yards to 842 so this guy's coming into his own this season and also the like i said the stampeders defense they really went to work and shut down trevor harris and the eskimos offense they look rather ordinary um their secondary was um you know very good there, and the quite frankly, it was um, the Stampeders were head and shoulders the better team in this game. And like I said, I never got the feeling that this game was ever in jeopardy for the Stampeders because the Eskimos just flatlined. So good performance, uh, good comeback performance by um, Bo Levi Mitchell, and um, we talked about. Um, the Labor Day games and how Saskatchewan wins quite often at home. Uh, Stampeders also quite often win it. I don't remember the last time the Eskimos won a Labor Day game in Edmonton or in Calgary, but uh, good performance for the Stamps and um, uh, Edmonton Eskimos come down a peg in my estimation after this one. And they did literally too because the Stampeders now jumped them in the standing, so the Eskimos have now fallen to the uh, crossover spot in fourth. And that's it for me. And that's it for me. I'm here. Did uh, we lose? Did we lose Chris? Did we lose? I don't know. We might have. He was here a minute ago. Oh, no, I'm here. I, I was I was talking. I had my mic muted because my grandkids ah. came down here or were making a lot of okay. noise, so I didn't want to be bugging you, and I forgot I'd muted it. So, That's all right. Yeah. Um, I I said a couple of things in there that were really funny, and now I can't remember what they were. I laughed. So what the hell. Okay. Um, Edmonton, did they just come down one one notch, one peg for you, or or did they drop a yep. couple more than that, or and uh, they definitely did not. What what what's your take on Jason Moss? He's an idiot and he likes to scream, and I'm not now, not now nor have I ever been convinced that he's a very good head coach. Okay. 
So this is his last kick at the cat? Yes, I think so. Okay. Just just checking that one out. Uh, William, you were at the game. Yeah. How was it? I was How was the crowd? It was, was it full? It was it was full. It was hot. It looked like it. it was really, really hot. And this morning it was freaking cold here. And so I went to the game, didn't take sunscreen, didn't take anything. And right now my face is glowing, okay? I'm sure the cops are going to come by my house because they think I have a spotlight in my backyard. It's my face. Okay? Anyways, um, you know, I think Edmonton's come I, down. A I couple could of make a comment on that. I know. I think Edmonton's going to come down, has come down a couple of notches in the last three weeks because they can't score a freaking touchdown. Okay. Um, you know, I think this was a pretty dominated game by Calgary. Um, uh, the Edmonton's vaunted defensive line had no sacks. Bo Levi Mitchell, yes, he's back. And he doesn't look like he's missed a beat because, you know, you can say everything you want about him and he doesn't have that much talent and it's the system he plays in. But you know what? Today, I I would tend to think that after a guy has been off for eight games or six games or seven games or whatever it was, that he might be a little panicked. But that guy just stood back there. And it was like he hadn't even left. He was throwing the ball well, and he picked them apart, to be honest with you. And he didn't have a lot of, I mean, he only had 200 and some odd yards passing. But when you have a running back who's got you 147, you don't need to pass that much. And Kadeem Carey was fantastic today. There was a... There was a battle in camp all this week about who would be the starting running back, uh, Kadeem Carey or God, I can't remember the other guy's name. He's it's a it's a it's very yes Jackson is it Jackson? Help me, Phil. Come on, what's his name? Um. Anyways, the one that played today was and, was no, Carey. we like you. Sorry, the one that played today was Carey. Yeah. yeah, I know. The other guy. Who's the other running back? Oh, you got two more. Jackson and... Uh, Don Jackson? Don Jackson. Oh, yeah, yeah, the other Don Jackson. So there was a battle in camp all this week. Don Jackson and Kadeem Carey. Kadeem Carey got the call. And I don't know if Don Jackson's going to see the ball very much until Kadeem Carey gets hurt. So, um, you know, I still... I still have my worries about Calgary. I don't think their defensive line is strong enough. They don't seem to have that much push. Um, Against Edmonton, it was okay, but against a better team, I tend to wonder. Um, Their defensive backfield is off the chain right now. They're playing very well. And, you know, I guess you can't expect to come into Calgary and ever win because, and on top of that, they've lost the last two games in a row. And they never lose after a bye week. So, and just so you know, Charles, this was the eighth consecutive Labor Day victory by Calgary. I thought it was something so, like that. So it, it's been eight years since uh, Edmonton's yeah. won here. So, uh, but yeah, overall, it was a Calgary seems to be getting it done with a team effort this year. They didn't take any stupid penalties this week like they have in the past, and. 
you know, uh, you're talking about Reggie Begleton. I, I think Calgary has to be the best, the best team in the CFL for developing ta- talent because Reggie Begleton has been with the Stampeders for three years, and I they, what they were saying today is he's getting he's second overall in the CFL right now receiving, and uh, what they're saying is he's just put in the work, and he's just gotten better and better every year. So, I mean, uh, this could be a scary team down the road because they seem to play better against good teams and they got a whole bunch of good teams that they're playing against in the next six or eight weeks. I think they have Winnipeg twice. They have Hamilton. They have Montreal. And uh, they have, uh, I think, one game against BC, maybe. So, we'll see. I'm not convinced they're up there, but... I'm pretty convinced they're going to make the playoffs. So let's see what happens. Well, it's hard not to in this Western division right now. Yep. Yeah. It was an enjoyable game too. And it was a big crowd, the biggest crowd we've had all year. So good. Glad to hear that. How many? Never mind. Uh, Mark, did you come back from camping to watch this one or? Yes, I saw both games today. Um, really, all I'll say about Harris is the same thing I've said all along about the guy. He's great between the 20s. He did okay today between the 20s again, but then in the first half anyway, but they couldn't get anything but field goals. And like Will said, BLM didn't even look like he'd missed a snap. He looked a little gitchy at first. He even took a hit. And I thought, oh, well, is that going to hurt? No, and he bounced right back up. I thought he, and he called a really smart game, I thought. And Bagleton, Will's right again. Bagleton is just, he's lights out every time they need a catch. Mm-hmm. And it goes right to him. And he really doesn't drop anything thrown to him. If it's near him, he's bringing it in. And the other thing that's going hand-in-hand, hand, I guess, with the last three games for Edmonton, Brad Sinopoli's invisible. I don't know if guys are double-covering him nonstop, but he, and he's, it's not Trevor Harris that's going to lead them to the playoffs. It's Brad Sinopoli. They need to get him going. But is this three games Edmonton hasn't scored a touchdown? Yeah. I know it's at least two. It's yeah, three. no, it's, it's, it's three games because they got they got twenty one points on seven field goals. Remember that? Right, right, right. yeah. yeah. Uh, like so, Harris's numbers, the six thousand yard man. They're masking a lot of problems on that offense that are stemming from Trevor Harris. And really, I thought today's game turned early on the um, interception that bounced off Ricky Collins. It went right through his hands, bounced off his shoulder, and when Calgary got that interception, it was just you could almost see Calgary going, okay, it's game on. And they just ran away. It was unfortunate because the other two games were so much fun to watch and so close, and then there was this. Okay, um, 
Sorry, I just have to step in just for a second here. Uh, they played Winnipeg last week. Is that correct? They did get one touchdown. They got a touchdown. Yes. Okay, so Winnipeg. one touchdown, one touchdown in, in, in three games. In three or maybe four games. No yeah. Maybe it's no passing touchdowns in three games. No, Trevor Harris had a passing touchdown. Yep. Okay, and Smith brought it in. In this tight end Yeah, and, and now I remember it was right near the end of the game too, if I remember correctly. Not sure. But in this tight of a division, you can't go stretches like this without throwing touchdowns. Or at least even running in touchdowns. Mm-hmm. You know, Winnipeg's able to do it by not throwing touchdowns unless they're on the three yard line. But um you know, it's just too tight of a division to not finish games. That's it, really. It's It was just a beatdown by Calgary. And Arbuckle still got a touchdown. Okay. Uh, cruising along here, Phil. Well... It was a beautiful day in Calgary for watching Labor Day football. Uh, I was tied up with stuff where I would have been there. You know, I had to even PVR the second half and watch it just before the podcast. Uh, I, I agree with Charles and Will. The, the schmoes have come down a peg in my power rankings right now. Uh, I, I may be contradicting uh, Will a little on the Stamps O-line. Uh, Edmonton was – or uh, Stamps D-line, sorry – Edmonton's O-line is, is not what I thought it was as far as running the ball. And and it hasn't been for a couple of weeks. Um, and and I thought that was going to be between Trevor Harris and a, and a, an O-line that could possibly help him to run the ball. I thought that was going to be Edmonton's strength this, this season. And I am starting to see weaknesses there. Um, uh, like as far as I'm concerned, the Calgary front six, and I always say front six in the CFL, not front seven, because, you know, the Sam linebacker is basically a defensive back, uh, is, is a lot better against the run than I thought. I, they were pretty solid against the Riders earlier this season, but I thought the Riders were still battling some uh, some difficulties on the O-line and, and thought it wasn't so much the, the Stamps as it was the Riders' problems. But... Uh, uh, I I like that that uh, Stamps front six, and in particular, Corey Greenwood. Like I feel bad for the Schmoes. Like how in the hell did the Stamps get so lucky lucky to have a healthy Corey Greenwood in 2019? How many seasons did did he go down for for Edmonton, and and not be there when it mattered? Uh, where the Stampeders are are somehow able to keep Corey Greenwood healthy? Uh, it, it's amazing. And which is good because it doesn't look like they're going to get their linebacker back. I think Singleton is going to accept the practice roster spot. Is or maybe Will can help us out on that? Or are we going to talk about that later? Yeah, already already accepted it. He did, eh? Okay. Yeah. Yep. So stamps at eighty two hundred at eighty two hundred dollars a week. I'd accept it too. Nice, nice. Yeah. And I got to agree with you guys. Battleton is a monster. I, I remember watching him in that preseason game, catching that first pass against the Riders, and, and it was right in front of me. And, 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 and I, I just 
his, something about his skills and, and his strength and his, and his arms and his upper body and, and his torso. Like, if you watch a touchdown pass, he, he had the presence of, t- to keep it in his hands rather than pull it in, you know, understanding that he was in the end zone, that as long as he, you know, as long as he pulled or kept it in his hands, it was a touchdown. Uh, a, lot, a lot of guys don't have that presence of mind, nor that strength to be able to do that. I thought he, he's a monster. I'm re- really impressed with Bagleton. That, that's all I got about that game. Okay. So this was it. The Battle of Alberta is next week, but Calgary won this one. 25-9, to Stampeders over the Eskimos. Charles, you're out by another mitful. CJ yeah. lost this game. I actually picked Edmonton. I thought Edmonton was going to win this. No, I didn't. Uh, Will, you picked your team to win by the right amount of score. You get the golden ticket this week. Do I have anybody on here? I'd be in the I'd be in the league if Calgary could play every team every week. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, after twelve weeks, the standings are Phil Marcus twelve, Charles is nine, Will has eight, and CJ has three times as many victories as the BC Lions. That's all I'm going to say about that one. Okay. So, you know, considering there was only three games, three football games this week, it, it there's, we're like an hour and 20 minutes into the show already. It must be because of Phil. But uh, <laughs> I love it. Okay, let's move on. Segment number four, Brian Chu has been fired as a Lions O-line coach. Is this a necessary move or is he being a scapegoat? Well, I didn't like the hire in the first place. Um, nothing against Brian. It just didn't seem like it was going to be a fit. And it's hard to follow up, follow in the footsteps of Dan DeRazio, who's probably the, uh, the O-line god of the CFL. And uh, is he a scapegoat? Mm, Lions suck, plain and simple. Okay, Brian... Their O line is is sucks worse than the team does, mind you. Special teams is no much better. Uh, yeah, something had to happen. Absolutely, something had to happen. Question is, who are they replacing him with, and uh, is it going to make a difference? And that's the big question. So um, I'm going to leave this one alone. Charles, well, you we take know over. Replaced- yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, I was leaving that uh, for you. Yeah. So is he a scapegoat or is this a necessary move? Well, to be honest, I kind of think it's a bit of both uh, because they needed to change something because they're 10 games in and the offensive line is no better than they were in game number one. In fact, they may have gotten worse. Uh, And quite frankly, something had to give there. They've tried a, a couple of personnel changes. They've brought in a couple of people. It hasn't helped. So then you got to take a look at the coaching. And I'm sorry, I like Brian Chu. He's a BC guy. Uh, he was a great. He had a great career in when he played. But I'm sorry, he just never got going here. He never got, was able to get his unit 
working the way it should. So uh, they have let him go. They're bringing in uh, as a replacement for the offensive line coach, uh, former Lions offensive lineman Kelly Bates, who I'm not sure if he has any coaching experience. Uh, He certainly has offensive line experience, uh, playing a lot under Dan Durazio, who is still, I think, maybe one of the, if not the best, one of the best uh, offensive line coaches there's ever been in the CFL. Um, So we're going to have to take a wait and see with him. Uh, Let's face it, it can't get any worse because the offensive line has been uh, like a, a piece of Swiss cheese full of holes and uh getting um getting um Mike Riley hit repeatedly over and over again they cannot stop this pass rush they've got to do something so will Kelly Bates help I mean it's too early obviously to tell he's going to get his first test next week when the team's in Montreal but uh yeah this is got this is something that had to happen they had to be something, whether it's symbolic or whatnot. They had to do something to show the fans that they're at least trying to fix the problem. Because, quite frankly, if they just stand pat after this bye week with no changes, I mean, there's no incentive for fans to even look at this team anymore because they're not fixing the problems they have. So will this fix the problem? I mean, like I said, too early to tell. we got to see how... If Kelly Bates comes up with any other uh, formations and so on to, um, um, you know, to switch it, I mean, but you got to look. Uh, if Kelly Bates come in and two or three games the problem still doesn't seem to be improving, then you got to start looking away from the coaches and look at the personnel you have there on the offensive line and just say these guys aren't good enough because through ten games they've been not even close to good enough. So. Uh, they've gotten, they've made the move. Let's see if Kelly Bates makes a difference. If not, then you know what? The personnel's the problem. It has to be at that point. Yeah, well, I think the personnel's a problem. That's just a probably simple fact. already is. Yeah, yeah, we we all know this. Okay, so uh, anyhow, I just want to. You asked about Kelly Bates. Yes. Kelly Bates, uh, in 2011, he was actually the O-line coach for the BC Lions. In 2012-14, to 14, he was the running back coach. Then he was the head coach in, at the Clan in Simon Fraser. And then he went over to Edmonton last year. And now this year he's back with BC as the O-line coach. Okay. Yep. Okay, very good. So he was the O-line coach when uh, BC won the uh, Grey Cup in 2011. Well, let's hope he can work his magic again. He's got his work cut out for him, let's put it that way. Hell yeah. Okay. Uh, William. Yes. You know what? Brian I think this was, a total, this was a total scapegoat move. It smacks of the same kind of shit as they do in the NHL where a team's not playing well, so they replace you know, two or three of the fourth line guys with two or three new fourth line guys from the, from their farm team. Farm team. Uh, I, you know, you know, you got to look at it this way. Okay. You got Devon Claybrooks and he's got a connection 
He's got a connection with Nick Lewis. You're not going to fire him. He's got a connection with Drew Tate. You're not going to fire him. He's got a connection with Rich Stubler. You're not going to fire him. I don't think Brian Chu and Devon Claybrook's ever uh, ever played or for the same team. And I think he was just the he was just the guy that they decided, hey, we'll get rid of him because he's not one of our buddies. And this is just my opinion. You can agree with it or not agree with it. I mean, you you can you can coach a bunch of tomato cans, and if they don't improve, there's still a bunch of tomato cans, okay? And BC's offensive line has not looked good, and I don't think it has anything to do with the coaching. But since you said that Kelly Bates has all this experience, maybe he'll make a difference. We'll see if the tomato cans are the tomato cans. I'm surprised uh, that BC hasn't brought in a lot of a bunch of old linemen from the uh, NFL cuts this weekend. Because uh, well, and maybe who they, they will. Well, they haven't or aren't. Yeah. Well, true. So I mean, yeah, Kelly's got to get in, get his feet wet. Yeah, I think it's a total scapegoat move, but. That's just me. I mean, let's face it. You can fire anybody on that coaching staff and nobody would blink about it because they're just not a very good football team. It's that simple. And, mm. you know, and and I'm thinking it's just a way for guys to appease some of the fans, but most of the fans are knowledgeable. They know this is just a sacrificial lamb type of thing. By firing Brian too, is BC going to turn it around and win – Lots of football games. I have my doubts. But yeah, Go ahead. no, I don't. I don't see that happening. But here, here's a question: If you're, you're saying that you know all these different coaches on the BC Lions have a connection with Devon Claybrooks, why is Chew even there? Maybe that's the only guy that was available. That maybe that was the best choice they had. Who knows? Correctly wrong. Wasn't Who Dan knows? DeRazio available? Well, I don't know if Dan DeRazio is available. And even you know what? And even But he's in Toronto even, right now. We, Who the hell would want to be there? We heard we heard last week that that David Benefield said Dan DeRazio is the one of the best offensive line coaches he's ever seen, if not the best. Yeah. Okay, and that's from a guy who's played in the CFL. And I think you've got to give that some credibility. And we all know that Dan DeRezio was a good head coach. Maybe he didn't want to work with, with uh, Ed Hervey. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who, who knows what's going on? Mark, scapegoat, necessary evil. The death of Brian Chu in BC as O-line coaches. His tenure is over. His, his the firing is a, he's a scapegoat. You can't fire the coach because of this new cap thing. You can't fire the coach. Can't fire the GM. You can you, know, you have to fire somebody though, or the fans. The fans are already pissed enough. I was just reading on Let's Talk BC Lions. Some fans are wondering if where Ricky Lloyd is. Who? The, Ricky Lloyd. He's the third stringer. I know. And they're Who? also wondering if O'Brien might play next week. Um, I got the answer for you. No. 
you, you think, but the, the fans are grasping. Um, this is basically a grasping move. It's okay, maybe some fans will be a little less upset because let's face it, the offensive line, it's not their only problem, but it's their biggest problem. Why they aren't just doing a revolving door of guys coming in and out right now is beyond me because they got to find something. Not that it matters anymore because, now they didn't lose this week. They may still have a mathematical chance of making the playoffs, but it's got to be pretty slim. um, It's a way to appease the fans a little bit and make it look like they're actually trying to fix it. They didn't change any of the personnel, but they got rid of the offensive line coach. I it's it doesn't smack of desperation yet, but it's just kind of silly. Well, I mean the the big question out there. I mean, uh, who who put it out? Glenn Suter and, and Matt Dunigan put it out last week on TSN. Is that did the BC Lions O line? Uh, give up with have they quit have they quit on the team have they quit on mike riley well when, when people are asking that question it, it has to come back to coaching yeah of it course has it does. to but does that come back to the positional coach or to the head coach well it comes back to both i mean let, let's face facts your o-line coach is the one that's closest to this and they're the ones that have to – he's the one that has to come up, step up. And he did, he did not step up his game this year. I did not see uh, a marketable improvement in the O-line. And you got to basically believe that he had choice on who he brings back as an o, in the O-line. That's not strictly Hervey. Right? It can't be strictly Hervey picking the O-line players. You would hope not. Yeah, no. Or does Herbie have that much control? Well, it's going to be a long decade for Lion fans. Yep. I don't know. Phil, what's your take on this one? Well, more than any other sport, in football, assistant coaches are very, very important. And, and the Brian Chu firing is a start. It, it may st- not stop there. The, the next rung on the ladder with their problems may be the offensive coordinator. As for Kelly Bates, he is both BC Lions and Saskatchewan football royalty. He, he runs maybe the highest-rated minor football camps in, in the country of Canada. Um, you know, uh, David Benefield, I think, kind of – foreshadowed this a little bit when he suggested on our show last week how, with his comments just about how solid a coach Dan Durazio was and how he, how he compared to some of the top coaches in, in, in the U.S. Uh, uh, Bates has a solid football coaching pedigree. I, I've listened to him speak on the Rod Patterson show a few times, or sorry, I, I, on the sports cage when Rod ran that show a few times, and he impresses the heck out of me. I, I believe he should have been the best, would have been the best choice for the Lions right out of the gate before the season started. I, I don't know what was 
you know what what his availability was and what what happened there. But uh, I think the Lions are in better shape now with with him at the helm, and uh, I mean it can only get better for their offensive line. And that's really all I got to say about it. Okay. Dun, 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 dun. Moving on, because I can. Bo Levi Mitchell has been removed from the six-game list and is being put back on as the starter. Oh, my God. Do you actually think he will play this weekend? Uh, are they rushing him back, or is he going to come back? Is, is there going to be rust? Oh, there's so many questions here. Oh, my God. They've all been answered. Um, yep. Uh, yep. I did this before the game. I know, and I'm not picking on you at all. Yep. I'm, I'm having fun with Bo Levi Mitchell. Uh, he actually came back, played a good game of football. So uh, are they rushing him back? We don't know. We don't know what the injury was because they never really came out and, other than saying that he needed um, cortisone shots. So we know that cortisone shots are not for um, pulled muscles, strained muscles, soft tissue injury. Uh, not for the most part. It's uh, It's basically... It helps really well on bone-on-bone things. Uh, is a short-term fix, long-term problem? More than likely. Uh, beginning of the decline of Bo Levi Mitchell has a many lot of things. We can do all, say all sorts of things. Uh, he came back. He showed his critics that he was still uh, playing football. William, go ahead. Talk about Bo. You know what? And I and I gotta watch. I gotta watch the game again. I, I, and I said it to a couple of people of the game. To me, his balls did not look like he was throwing them as hard as he has in the past. They still got there, and that could have just been me. Wasn't he wearing clothes? Receivers. Pardon me. Wasn't he wearing clothes? What? Wearing clothes. Well, you said his balls don't look as good as what they have in the past. I just want to oh, know why. That was supposed to be. That was supposed to be a joke. Come on, Christopher. I'm trying to be serious here. Jeez. Okay. Sorry. For the first time in my life. Okay. Jeez. Anyways, it, it didn't well, it was look such like a change. he had rip I didn't on. Know, the, I couldn't. I didn't understand I know. it. I, he didn't look like he had rip on the ball, but that could have just been me. Um, I'm gonna have to watch the 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 game on TV and, and see what I think then. Um, but obviously he's injured, or he was injured, and he said he had one play in the game where where he threw the ball across his body, which he wasn't able to do previously, and it worked, and he says he's back for the rest of the season, bottom line. So, you know what? When he says something like that, I'm going to go with Bo every time. So, And although Arbuckle did do a great job of filling in, it's not the same thing. I think there is a, I think there is a leadership thing there that you miss when Bo's not in. Because I, I do believe, as cocky as people think he is, and you know what, I really do believe, and I saw a survey the other day, I really do believe Bo Levi Mitchell is the most hated player in the CFL. And I don't know more if than it's just Brandon Banks. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if it's because his big mouth or what it is, but. You know what? I have no problem with guys and big mouths as long as they can back up. Back, and he's obviously up. backed yeah. up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a fine line between cockiness and confidence. And I think he's right on the cusp. So, hey, 
who knows? Who knows? But he he won the game. He came back. I was a little worried about him starting because I thought there'd be some rust there. He said in an interview this week, uh, he said rust is for new players. He's an old guy, an experienced guy, and he said there's going to be no rust. So I'll take him at his word until his word doesn't come true, and, and he played a decent game today. No doubt about it. <clears throat> and I, I think uh, Calgary's offensive line, I think they like him a lot, and they did an extra good job because nobody got close to him today. It was pretty amazing. So, But, I mean, the key to that is Calgary's always had a quick-release quick kind of quarterback, and that's how they do it. So I'm happy he's back. I don't think they're going anywhere if he's not their quarterback. So we shall see. Okay. Well, so be it. Uh, do, do, do. Will, you started it off. Charles, jump in. Well, he certainly didn't look uh, like there was any problem um, th- today. Um, I mean, I don't know about how his uh, injury will hold up because Edmonton never touched him today. They didn't get even close. But, hey, the Calgary Stampeders, with all due respect to Arbuckle, and Arbuckle filled in very well, I thought, for the uh, Stampeders. But the Calgary Stampeders look like a different team when Bo Levi Mitchell is quarterback. That's that's um, painfully noticeable. Uh, they look a much more confident team and a much more um, energetic team and just much more better team. I don't think that there's any doubt about it. Um, I don't think that they're rushing him back. I think uh, if he wasn't sure, he wouldn't have come back. And uh, uh, Like I said, there did not seem to be any rust on him this at all. He was really uh, throwing the ball with a lot of zip on it, I thought. Uh, he was uh, very good today. So uh, I think they did the right, uh, the right thing. So I'm going to say that uh, they made the right choice. And uh, the Stampeders are a better team. And if I'm Saskatchewan and if I'm Winnipeg, I want to keep winning games because if, they're, if the Stampeders are going to start playing like they played today against Edmonton, uh, Calgary's going to be nipping at their heels uh, in a really short order. So they they better uh, keep it up. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, he came back well, and uh, I think he's just going to get better. Hmm. Mark. I think he showed that he's not banged up. He's ready to go. I think that's why they took the extra week. But why would they put him back on the sixth game? Six-game injury list. He finished the six games. He started practicing, which would take he he could have stayed on the sixth game, and and be there for seven or eight games, and then come off. But they took him off. They started him practicing, which which reset it again. Then they placed him back on the sixth game, and a week and a half later they take him off. Who I mean, knows? You're so been... far off on your predictions that you you don't know what the hell's happening. Or it's well, a game that, you know, it's a game that they played. You know what? The other thing is when he did come back after the first six games, he threw in practice a couple of days and he had lots of pain. And they said this past week 
in two practices, he threw anywhere from 55 to 60 balls of practice. And the next day, he did not have any any bad feelings at all through another 60, and he was good to go. So, you know, soft tissue injuries are hard to predict sometimes. Maybe that's why. Yeah, kind of bizarre. Yeah, yeah there's any number of reasons. Well, like I say, it could have been Huffnagel playing a game, too, putting him on there just to get people thinking Arbuckle was going to continue to start <clears throat> planning that way. I, I, that's a stupid game. Does anybody that, ever say coaches are really smart when they start playing games? Yeah, but no, you know, you're, you're you're only allowed to have remove one person from your six game injury list in the first half of the season, and one person in the second half. The first half is over. This was his their their only second half. Now, if somebody goes on this six game injury list, they can't take them off. You know, it's like a challenge flag. You know, you, you, you really want to throw it. Well, they had their reasons for it. And it's Huffnagel. He's not going to tell us anything anyway. Huffnagel and Dickinson are not far different from O'Shea and Walters. So. Okay. It just seems like really weird. It's the CFL, Christopher. It has to be weird. Yeah, I, I, I know. I understand. I'm all over that. Um, I know that better than most. Okay. Phil, what's your thoughts on this one? Well, I'm, uh, I'm with Will. Uh, the TSN game handlers and even the retired quarterbacks on the panel – uh, said his arm looked great and that he hadn't altered his throwing motion. I thought he did change his throwing motion, particularly when he had time. He, he didn't have that over-the-top throw that, you know, like he and kind of like Ricky Ray have. Um, he, little more, he little more on a sidearm and, and lacked a little bit of zip on the ball. That said, uh, there was a couple times when he had to throw out of an, uh, a not-normal position where – he had an incredible zip on the ball. You know, when there was a little bit of pressure and, or he had to, to go cross field when he's, when he's rolling one way and had to go the other way, man, those passes look really good. So I still think there's a little bit going on there in his shoulder. And, you know, as far as uh, getting a cortisone shot in the shoulder, I'll tell you a story about the mid-90s uh, when I was playing fastball. I gave it up. And and finally, the, the shoulder pain got so bad, I I couldn't, I couldn't even work properly. So I, f- I went for a cortisone shot. And the following day, I played a slow pitch game. And I was throwing the ball harder than I'd ever thrown in my life. I decided to take up fastball again immediately. And I've never had another problem with my shoulder on a single cortisone shot. And, and my, my arm was just hanging off me before that. So it, it can be amazing. And mine was a rotator cuff injury. I haven't heard that mentioned uh, about Levi, but uh, um, that's that's really all I got, all I got to say about it. Okay, I it, it just it just seems like an uh, they were 
they took the Michael Shea road of, of disclosure on this one. And it worked for them. What can I say? You can't argue with that. It, it worked for them. Okay, enough of this. The Red Blacks have been dreadful. More so than Toronto and BC? I don't know. What, 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 if anything, can they do to change their fortunes? There's three teams right hope, now that hope, can write, hope to get a quarterback in the CFL. Hope to get a new quarterback, maybe. Yeah. Where's it going to come from? Nick Arbuckle in the off season. I don't know about that. Oh. Jeremiah Mazzoli in the off season. Too many times I think that people. A quarterback will come in like a backup guy. He'll come in for four or five games and play pretty decently, and then they 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 oh he's the second coming. But yeah, I don't know. They do need a quarterback. Nobody's going to argue with you on that. I mean, it's isn't that the bomber disease, bomber fan disease? Yep. You know, at, at any one point, sixty percent of the bomber fans want the backup to be the starter. Mm-hmm. Although it's not just the bomber fans. Anyone ever, anyone remember Tino Sanceri? Writer now, this fan. guy was going to be great. Yep. <clears throat> His dad, Sal Sanceri, is the outside linebackers coach for the Alabama Crimson Tide. I learned the other day. Okay. Really? That's his dad? Not to mention that Steve Sarkeesian is the offensive coordinator for the Alabama Crimson Tide. You guys all know who Steve Sarkeesian is. No, I do, yeah. Starting starting quarterback with the Riders in 99, the last CFL quarterback I remember outside of maybe Dave Dickinson to call his own place. Thought it might have been a couple others too in the nineties uh, that got out of Montreal. Calville? Yeah, but that's his name, yeah. You remember him, right? Yeah, we don't talk about him in my house. No. Why? Because of the two thousand Grey Cup game? They also they also don't mention thirteen in Phil's house either. Kind of like an elevator, right? You just go 11, 12, 14, 15, 16. Oh, that's kind of funny. I like that one. Oh, my God. What did I just do? Okay. Uh, that's enough. So what's going on with the Red Blacks? Any, anybody? Anybody think that the Red Blacks can be saved? Their season can be saved? Or are they just going down the toilet and uh, it's just going to be the uh, Montreal Alouettes and the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the east and uh, and the beast and the uh, west has their crossover. That's basically what's going to happen for the rest of the season? I don't I hear any like arguing. Talent. I didn't like their talent coming into the season if you guys remember. I, I, I just didn't see them doing well. 
I see Montreal doing better than them just by looking at, at rosters before the season started, and I'm not surprised that they are where they are. I, I honestly thought Ottawa was going to be better than they are. I, I came out and said, you know, they're not going to be the super trash shit team that everybody thinks they are. But I also but said that are. Toronto and Montreal were quietly building themselves a football team. Uh, Montreal just seems to have paid attention more. Yeah. I don't know. They had too many changes. They got lost way too many players in the, to free agency. Let's face it, the, the the heart of their team was ripped right out of there. So you had to see it coming. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. All they need to do now to fix it is find a quarterback. Good luck with that. Maybe a coach. Rick Campbell's ego, maybe he has something to do with this. Um, his ego or South Asian dad? I'm sorry, I'm not familiar. Marcel the Desjardins is the is the GM in in Ottawa and oh, has oh, been Marcus, since the yeah, beginning. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I yeah. mean, uh, you know, talk about an Eagles. arrogant prick. They they've been pretty successful in in starting a CFL franchise and and it's maybe caught up with them a little bit and that might have been something to do with the with what went on with Harris et al. and and we're seeing the results now. Yeah, you think? I mean, it, how do you do that to your your starting quarterback? He took you to a Grey Cup, and then you balk on a twenty thousand dollar bonus, and he walks to Edmonton. I'm sorry, you're you're, you're stupid. <laughs> okay, I think Ottawa's uh, needs some. Major pieces. BC needs some major pieces. Toronto needs some major pieces. Uh, only one of them has a quarterback. The rest, I think that's all BC has is a quarterback. Ottawa needs Toronto's one. Toronto needs than, one. I think Toronto is closer than people think. They're playing Maybe. better. They just can't play a full game. Yeah. They can't close. And and, and in, in the CFL, it's kind of important. And they do have the wrong head coach for building a team. They got the right head coach for a, for a veteran team, in my opinion. I, they don't have a head coach that's worthy of anything. Corey Chamberlain was never a head coach. He just got a fortunate... Uh... He uh, he kind of lucked into a fortunate roster there, and he hell, got, I he got gifted that team. A, an awesome team mm-hmm. and uh, won a great cup. And uh, actually, he has a he's a pedigree defensively. Yeah. And the thing is, not all great coordinators make great head coaches. We've seen that in the past. Very few defensive coordinators make good head coaches. Very, very few. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Jones are one in a million. Well, Wally Buono and uh, Don Matthews seem to come to mind first. Dave Dave Ritchie. 
Dave Ritchie was never really that good of a head coach. He won a great yeah. cup, went to another yeah. one. Yeah. Ritchie yeah, was so a veteran. He was for veterans. Yes. He hated rookies. He, he hated could, he rookies. Could. He couldn't take a young team, not a chance. Uh, nope. He's great nope. with a veteran team, but if he got a young team, he couldn't do anything with them. Well put, Charles. Okay. Jumping along. Uh, oh, we're we're almost out of show. Five minutes. Uh, NFL Final Cuts happened this week. Do we think any of the CFL connected players will find their way back to the CFL. Yeah. And maybe some others, who knows? Uh, we, we know for a fact that uh, Singleton took a practice roster position with the Philadelphia Eagles. So he's not coming back anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a couple others that cut. I didn't really see any article on that. Is there been a, a posting on that? There's actually a tracker. I posted it. I actually, uh, it's part of the uh, show, uh, the agenda. The link. There's a tracker showing all the, all of the NFL players that have CFL connections, and uh, where they are going to go, or what. Only their, two of them have. What their status the, is. Only two of them have made the 53-man roster that I know of, and one of them is Saskatchewan uh, Rough Riders middle linebacker Sam Guavin made the Miami Dolphins 53-man yep. roster. So, um, is, does this mean Cam Wake is coming back to BC? No, sorry. No. Yeah, no. no, sorry, that's not going to happen. Nah, that's not going to happen. Eh? No. Mind you, he could buy them. He could, he could buy them. Maybe, yeah, uh, maybe he, he'll buy them. He, you know what? I could see him retiring and coming back and playing. I could. Mm. No. At a certain point in time, he is not going to be able to play quality football in the NFL. Yeah, well, he's he's getting close to there now because he's 37. Yes, correct. Okay. But he did sign a long-term contract, didn't he? It wasn't a one-year thing. with the the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. But uh, he just loves the game, and uh, he, he likes Vancouver. So I could see him coming back. I could, just... To play the game. Yeah. And I'll just say good on former Lions kicker Ty Long, who uh, won the punting job with the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, good for him. Way, Bad way for, for the Lions, because I, I loved watching him punt, because he was a great punter, but it is what it is. Yeah, he probably makes three, Charles, because I don't count punters and kickers, so he probably makes the third well, one. Fair enough, yeah. <laughs> And the other one was a receiver, and, and it was a surprise, and I can't think who it was. Maybe you guys, somebody can weigh in there who actually made a 53-man roster. No. We're going to crank the show off right now. I'm just going to Matthews was released by the Bombers and immediately signed by the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, is he going to make a difference to the Alouettes this year? Yeah, I think he will. I think he definitely will. Uh, why not? He's got to pick up his game a little bit. Anyhow, so this is uh, Ben Let's Talk CFL podcast, episode number 392. I've been your host, Christopher Jones, and we got to rattle around and talk some football and so a little bit of history lessons on 2009. Um, and walk-off field goal victories. Saskatchewan had one today, so that's not so bad. Uh, say goodnight, Charles. 
Good night, folks. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back Wednesday to look ahead at the f- upcoming week. Phil, say good night. Hey, good night, everybody. If you uh, missed the uh, Labor Day weekend games, make sure you watch them now and boycott average. Mark. Good night, everybody. Talk to you next week at BC Sucks. Uh, like stating the obvious, okay? Like, come on, really? William, go ahead. Good night, everybody. Labor Day was pretty good this year. And go Owls. Go Owls.